there's times in my paintings where I just think it's trash. And I'd rather throw the canvas away than keep working through it. Especially me as a novice painter. I'm over here like trying to mix color. And I'll have, like one time I put like black to darken a blue. Mm. Okay. Mistake. Well, that just turned the whole painting black. So, and it was like a speck of black, you know. <laughs> it was like a speck. So it's a lesson learned. But I could have quit on that painting and instead, I'm like, well, let's add white. Let's kind of start over. But then what I found is the white with the black made this weird gray that allowed me to then jump with a red. And, then, and all of a sudden, I kept working through the mistake. I kept working through the trash. And it, I have it, and it's a beautiful painting. And I'm proud of it. I'm actually proud of it. And because I had to keep going through it, staying consistent. <laughs> Welcome to Casa de Arte, a podcast about creativity, spirituality, and the threat that holds them together, love. Welcome to another episode of Casa de Arte. We're here. Second episode of February. We're glad to be here. We're glad you're tuned in. And today we're going to talk about creative process what our creative processes look like. We've talked about creative process before, but today we wanted to hone in on maybe some practicalities on how we can reduplicate that with our listeners. Um, and then also what is our creative process on the mundane, the everyday life, the grind, aside outside of you know your job as a photographer or my creative sensibilities with music or theater or whatever. We wanted to kind of focus in on the, the more grind. personal work for sure yeah so um we want to talk to you today about your work your personal work you're capturing our family my extended family at times um your passion projects and then for me we'll talk about my community building and the parallels of my recent hobby. love for painting mm -hmm. hobby. yeah so um i guess we'll start with you first so we talked about, I just said in this little introduction, documenting everyday life. Um, and for you, I've heard you say that for you, it starts with why. Can you expound on that? Absolutely. I think that my why for documenting everyday life, the mundane, the ordinary, um, stems from two things. One of them is for the tough days as a mother, the... Um, Everyday life is always a surprise in a lot of ways. Um, not because there's not routine or structure, but because you just never know what your child is going to respond to in that day. Um, kids grow up really fast and they have a lot of mental leaps and learning curves. And so um, emotions are just kind of everywhere. So when I document and take pictures, I am saying that this moment I want to hold on to. For the rest of my life and even be after that um, which brings, brings me to the, my second point i document because i know that i am not going to be here forever and i want to be able to show that i was here with my daughters i love them i love them well and they can carry my legacy and my stories um to her children and children's children mm, that's beautiful so 
in your um, inspiration and I know you know whether it's on the gram or these beautiful photo books you've picked up at you know, thrift stores or Amazon how what is your process in navigating through um, influence versus staying true to your own voice as an artist you know do you ever find yourself reduplicating work you've seen and it's like oh, I don't know if I want that in my system or how does that how does that flush out I don't think that I reproduce the work I've seen. I do definitely take it in. I like to study photo books. I love to study um, artists. You know, I just got Vivian Mayer street photography um, for Christmas. And I have a twin reflex camera, TLR. And that's most of her work is using that kind of camera. Um, And so for me, what I study and see and try to understand when I see this this photo book is the way that she saw life and kind of like her internal viewpoint if you will um, which is very unique to each and every one of us that's why I say that I can't necessarily duplicate because the way she saw life you know in the 50s um, and 40s was completely different than what I would see life now obviously in 2020. So, um, I guess the balance between like inspiration and my actual work comes through, um, with my unique storytelling, you know, it, I'm, I'm documenting girls that are living in 2020 and, um, it definitely does look a lot different. It's not just by clothing, but also, um, how aware we are of cameras is completely um, different. Obviously, back then you can get away with doing street photography because people were unaware and it was film. So it's not like you could they could see, you know, they took the shot and moved on with their lives. Um, and so did the people that were being photographed. Whereas like now we're obviously a content-based, visual-heavy culture. So people definitely notice when you're, when you're videoing or taking pictures of them. So... Anyway, all that to say that um, I I have the ability to just take in inspiration and then make it my own. Hmm. So portraiture, I think, is a big, I don't know, maybe it's all of your, pro- um, not process, but um, uh I don't know the word I'm looking for, but portraiture makes it for a big chunk of what you do as a photographer. I am a portrait junkie. Yeah, portrait photographer. So how, what is your approach to portraiture capturing people? Annie Lebowitz says it, people say, she says that people say, uh, it's the photographer's job to make the subject at ease and she does not agree. Um, But I feel like you work hard to make the subject at ease. So what do you think? I think it's a collaboration. Um, as much as my work is, I always feel like I'm collaborating with people and not just being the artist and then having no voice. I think that when I want to capture the essence of somebody, I try to get to know them. And that is through words, through gestures that often do not involve my camera at all. And so if I want to capture someone and see what I perceive of them, um, whether that's an emotion, you know, anxiety or, a smile or 
a quirk that's very unique to them, I will observe and then I will try to interact with the subject to get that reaction. So um, that's just the way that I do it. I've seen other photographers that are very traditional, stand here and smile and click, and other people that don't give any kind of direction and just click. But for me, I think it's a collaboration. And so it's my responsibility to make the subject at ease, not in the way that you would think. I am trying to gain that person's trust and I want them to trust me and I want them to give give me permission to see them the way that they are. Wow. And then capture that. Moment. And capture that. Mm-hmm. And capture that. Yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. So what other, um, what other pieces of your process did you want to highlight? Um, obviously gear and medium when it comes to photography, you can drown in that. Everybody has an opinion about what's the right camera, what's the right approach, digital film, I don't like to complicate things. I like to simplify them. And so um, I have chosen to work with film and digital. And you'll see in my work, whether that's personal or paid, that I do use both. Um, For me, it's like using different paintbrushes. You know, Um, you get different results with each. I don't think one is better than the other. Um, And also whatever I have is, is my is my paintbrush of the day. So, um, a portrait can be done with any kind of camera. I've talked about this before, the portrait that I have of my great grandmother, I took it on a disposable camera and it's a portrait of her. And it, you would never think that it was done in like a $5 camera and it was. So don't try to overcomplicate things. Um, when it comes to your work, don't plan ahead, just be intentional and just be free from any kind of uh, just structure. Distraction. Yeah, structure. distraction or what someone is doing. It's the same thing that you should be doing. No, just kind of be. Whatever you have in your hands, just use that. Yeah, that's really good. It's good advice. But I would love to turn the conversation onto you. Um, you've recently taken a interest in painting. Um, he may or may not have rated my supplies, but um, <laughs> he's done a really incredible work trying to find his voice and um, process for painting. And I want you to kind of talk a little bit about that. What does that look like? Um, why do you do it? Yes. I wanted to especially with this podcast, talk about, um, my like community building as a job, like what I do from nine to five mm-hmm. in the city of Mulberry. Um, it was a job created for me, um, that I had a hand in developing and still developing, um, for the last four years. Um, and so just, it's taken four years for me to like wrap my head around a title. I mean, yeah, I'm the program director for the city of Mulberry, but, um, community builder is what like resonated with my soul a couple of weeks ago. And I was thinking about painting as you were talking about, um, and painting, I feel like they're so similar, um, what I'm doing as a community builder and what I'm doing with painting. So I've been painting for about two years. Um, 
and you asked a, you asked a bunch of questions there, but um, the one that last one that stuck with me is why. Um, and it was really and just an outlet for my emotions. Um, usually I'll turn to the piano and, and lay it out on the keys and, and that's fine. It's just hard with girls that are trying to sleep or <laughs> whatever. So um, I started turning to, to painting. I always loved the idea of painting, but never felt qualified. And, um, and so I just bought some canvases and started messing around. And now um, I've been able to kind of develop a voice, I think, or find the voice that was always there as you say um and a style and i'm really i'm really loving what i've been producing lately it's been really rewarding i know that last year you incorporated this hobby in your resolutions and you've kind of you know decided that you wanted to be intentional about how many work you're you were going to produce and that's fascinating for me because we are living in an age where we don't really have hobbies anymore everything's a side hustle yeah. So how do you um no, that's interesting. how do you stick with this as a hobby? What you know, being so creative and artistic, um, what keeps you from using this I mean, I don't want to say exploiting this as a as a means um for financial gain, but talk to me a little bit about um about keeping it a hobby. Well, it's interesting because I don't think I'm in t- as intentional about it as as you allude in that, you know, I've not tried to sell it. So I guess one could say, well, then it's not a side hustle. It's like, well, that doesn't mean I don't want to sell it um, or make it a side hustle, even though I would say right now I don't. (laughs) Um, But down the road, you know, I don't want to like discount myself. I think when it comes to art commerce, it's so tricky and hard and Mm -hmm. gross. And uh, then you're like, well, how much do you charge for it? And it's all just this, ugh, it's very icky. And because my art is new, firstly, so I don't I don't know that I qualify myself, qualify myself as one that should be able to sell. <laughs> and no offense to anybody that started making art and two years later was trying to make profit on it and whatever. I just, I don't feel like I'm qualified to do that. But um The second thing is it's very, very personal and every piece has a specific story and emotion and um, uh, piece of time. And so the idea of like selling it is just really, it makes me really uncomfortable. Like I don't think that's going to happen. So because of that, um, or like, like to think that's like, oh, that piece, which was your brokenness before God, works with my living room aesthetic. Right. I guess that's, like, the weird thing for me. Like, a museum is different, or a gallery maybe might feel better, but, like, the idea that it's, like... And it's not to say that it couldn't happen one day, and maybe they do go for sale someday, I don't know. Um, But that's how it's kind of stayed a hobby, because, one, I didn't feel qualified to make it a side hustle, and, two, I don't know that I... At least not right now. Not what I'm producing right now. Do I want to make a side hustle? But maybe maybe I'll have detachment from them at some point. Yeah. I was going to say it's so hard to kind of give it up. Um, I know that there's a lot of work that I have that is personal and I don't post about it or share about it because it's I don't feel comfortable opening myself to any kind of criticism or even the fact that other eyes are seeing it because they don't know the meaning fullness of it to me and so it kind of keeps me away from 
um, sharing it. I'd love to make it a photo book someday for me to have, but um, I just wanted to know. I was just kind of curious about about that because um, it's very hard for an artist to be an artist in the closet or be an artist in a cave because we're expected to promote ourselves and sell everything that we make or create. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I've definitely been sharing it. I, I share my work on my website and um, on my Instagram every now and again. So I don't really share my work. I just, I never thought about selling any of it. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, this community and painting um, resemblance. What's something that you can gather like what about these two like where did these two merge yeah it's interesting because it's only again in this last month this month has been such a like deep darkness and then after i found myself finally surrendering to god it's become such a bright light so i've had a lot of clarity in what i'm doing and my processes and um so with the city of mulberry i have i've brought online seven out of the nine events that happen in the year, the citywide events um, were created by me, um, as well as develop a brand for the city and develop a very specific social media voice and um, create community in a place that for me four or five years ago was a really, um, um, not broken, but like divided place. So, the first thing for me was to be vulnerable with this community and say like, hey, I'm new, why aren't we getting along? Or hey, I'm new, why don't you care? Or hey, I'm new, what has Mulberry done to you? Mm. And allowing myself to be vulnerable enough, humble enough to say, I have no idea, fill me in, and then let's maybe see what we can do about healing. And so I think now when you translate that to the canvas, in order for the work to speak to me, which is a beautiful thing if it speaks to other people, but it has to speak to me first. And the only way that happens is if I'm vulnerable with the canvas. Mm. And I say, like, I'm going to open this up. Sometimes, more rare than not, but some more rare than usually, but sometimes um, I'll go with an idea in mind. Um, but more often than not, that's not the case. I know a color palette I'm going to try to work with, and then I just kind of go. And then I usually hate it or, you know, it works. And I, in three hours, I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's three weeks, but, um, it requires me to be vulnerable. So I think that's like, that's like the first thing. Mm-hmm. And I would say the second thing I find in community building is, um, you have to stay consistent with consistency is essential because there's gonna be days where you feel completely burned out. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're like done, mm-hmm. but you have to keep going. And it's like, well, this doesn't matter to anybody or no one's paying attention, or it's not doing any good. And it's all really lies. It's just that... Because it takes time. It takes time. Like, true things take time. There's times in my paintings where I just think it's trash. And I'd rather throw the canvas away than keep working through it. Especially me as a novice painter. I'm over here, like, trying to mix color. And, I'll like, one time I put, like, black to darken a blue. Mm. Okay. Well... That just turned the whole painting black. So, and it was like a speck of black, you know? It was like a speck. So it's a lesson learned, but I could have quit on that painting 
And instead I'm like, well, let's add white. Let's kind of start over. But then what I found is the white with the black made this weird gray that allowed me to then jump with a red. And, then, and all of a sudden I kept working through the mistake. I kept working through the trash. And it, I have it and it's a beautiful painting and I'm proud of it. I'm actually proud of it. And because I had to keep going through it, staying consistent. So when I think of community building and the parallels of painting, those are the two specific ways of vulnerability and consistency that translate, I think, to art, too. Mm-hmm. And art, artistry, creative, creativity. You said this was an outlet for you in terms of your work. Um, what did you mean by that as an outlet? Painting? Like, oh, like there's something in me that I have to get out of me. And that's creativity in general for me. So like, I'll sing made up songs in the car because like I'm mad or I'm happy or I'm sad. And lyrics come and I just start singing a melody. (laughs) It like has to come out and just, I don't know, recently painting has been the thing. I was so angry earlier this month and... I, you you had said to take it to the canvas. I didn't really want to, because I felt so gimmicky. Like yeah, just let the canvas know you're angry, and um, and then I did, and I found that I actually got more angry doing it because I'm like sitting in the anger as I'm doing this painting, and I finished the painting in about an hour and a half. Like, and when I say finish, I have a trouble stopping. So, with my work it's accomplishment to say like, okay, I just need to stop. It's done. Um, so I finished, even though I really didn't want to be finished, but I was like, no, this is, I think this is done. And, um, it was weird that I was like more angry than what I was to start with. And then, then I I realized like, wow, like I must just be like really angry. (laughs) I must have a lot of anger that it wasn't all finished in that one painting. But, um, I start with red and cause you know, red anger, the painting really turned to something else. Like these other colors. I was going to say it's not red. No. Which is why it's called anger is not just red. Cause it's like clever r- anger obviously <laughs> has many depths, many shades, many shades. So I don't know. That's what I mean by an outlet. Which I really encourage our listeners, you know, find, find something. And it, I, I think you hit it on the head as far as like hobbies. Like don't feel like you have to turn it into a side hustle. Like if you doodle, doodle. Or if you write prose, write prose. Poetry, music. And yeah, you can share it if you're proud of it. And that's great. But you don't have to. And like allow that to be yours. Your what secret. What a freedom too. Mm-hmm. To be able to create without having to necessarily showcase it think that that is a lot of the reason why we exist as a podcast is to encourage you to create but not to create in that you have to be the next Michelangelo or Da Vinci or anything like that um you can just be what they say a one-hit wonder (laughs) just be at your in your in your own home and just give your art that home just let it come out and be yeah and surface. Yeah, it's really good. So it looks like we're actually running out of time. What um 
what art are what art are you consumed in? I already if mentioned any. the Vivian Meyer photo book. That's one that I've kind of gone through. Um, I also took out the Luminous Portraits by Elizabeth Messina. Um, I had the chance two years ago to go to a conference, photography conference, and that same photography conference this year is headlining her, um, or she's headlining them. Um, and so, you know, this is not a year for us to travel, at least not for me, for work, just having two little girls. And so, um, in the spirit of things, I wanted to kind of go through her book and, um, just be inspired and delighted by her, her craft, um, in that way. So while I can't attend the conference, I will still be, um, studying and learning from her here. Hmm. Yes. What about um, you? So for me, I'm actually going to highlight a couple films. Okay. Um, all foreign films, actually. Go for it. Um, I'm here for it. That um, I've, I've watched over the last four or five weeks. Um, and I'll just briefly. Um, Pain and Glory. Um, it's a Spanish film. You can find it at Redbox. Um, the Souvenir is a British film. Um, you can find it on Amazon. Or my highly recommended Canopy. Um, Canopy app. Um and then I Lost My Body, which is a French film. Um, oh, yes, all, we did watch that. Yeah, all, it's an animated French film. Um, all three, and you can find them on Netflix. That's Netflix original. Uh, all three weren't perfect films for me, um, but all three were very important films. And um, Pain and Glory um, is leads with Antonio Banderas, and um, just a director. It's so memoiric. And so is the souvenir, really. The souvenir is just a girl that gets involved with a guy and she's like, not a great guy, and that's it. <laughs> there's no twist, there's no turns. It's superb acting. Tilda Swinton is in the film, and it's like, it is what it is. Um, it's a story for what it is. It Yeah, I think Pain and Glory is similar in that. Um, Pain and Glory is a little bit more artistically driven, I think. Whereas... It's also very biographical. It is the author's. Oh, it is his thing. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. The director's, yeah, the director's. Uh, memoir um, whereas Souvenir is very episodic and it's just like it is what it is it, it, remind, it reminds and you, for, we watched the trailer and reminded you of one of my favorite films An Education um, with Carrie Mulligan very similar they were very similar I think the Education gets it better but because um, Education for me has like such a point <laughs> whereas Souvenir is not really like a point it just like is what it is but what I was going to say is that both of them um, I think are a wave of new cinema I think we're going to be seeing more often. And it's like just a piece of uh, today. Yeah, a little and snippet. That, and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's superbly crafted and acted and shot. Um, and I Lost My Body is hand-drawn. I'm a sucker for hand-drawn animation, especially in the age of computer-digitalized animation. I always will, will, will succumb to hand-drawn. And it is the most bizarre thing of this hand, literally, that is severed from a body. It sounds disturbing, but... Um, and he goes through Paris trying to find his body and seeing the trauma that this body, this human, has suffered. And the hand remembers that trauma. Um, 
it's just I've never seen anything like that. It was sad and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Definitely gets tugs the uh, heartstrings. And that, for me, should have won the Academy Award um, uh, for Best Anime Feature. But anyway, so those are the those are the three that I recommend you checking out. We hope that this was an encouraging podcast episode about process, creative process, and creating for yourself. Really goes with our tagline. So I w- we would love to hear if you create for yourself what that looks like. If you are dabbling into a hobby, let us know. We would love to um, encourage you more personally. Yes. And um, absolutely. We'd love to see what other people are doing, what kind of art people are creating, and uh, the home that you're giving it. And maybe we could even do some, like, collaborations or something. That could be really fun. And even have you as a guest in our podcast. So reach out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Casa de Arte. If you have a question or topic you would like us to cover, email us at Casa de Arte podcast at gmail.com we're still a new podcast so if you like what you heard please give us a review and share it with your friends now it's over to you go create and give your art a home